Good evening. Welcome to worship. There we go. We can play that. We're glad that you're here today uh, and uh, want to welcome you to church. We are uh, on this sermon series called The Way. And no, this is not based off the great Sticks song, Show Me the Way. It is, in fact, uh, about the book of Acts and looking at some obscure characters in the book of Acts and thinking about what that means for our lives. Before Christians were called Christians in the early church, uh, they called them followers of the way uh, in the book of Acts. They were called followers of the way. And it was the way of Jesus Christ in terms of what that means in our lives. And so we've, we're looking at four characters from the book of Acts and thinking about what that means in our lives, and especially as it fits into uh, our adult discipleship ministries. In our ministries for adults, we believe that one of the things that's helpful is a framework called seeking, following, believing, and leading. Seeking, following, believing, and leading. And these are just categories. They're not mutually exclusive, but they represent where you might be in terms of your journey with God, where you might be in terms of your faith. Uh, a seeker is someone who has a lot of questions that maybe doesn't know all about this Jesus thing is, and is looking for those answers in terms of what that means. A believer is that next step and to say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and I want to know Jesus, and I want to grow in that relationship. So maybe someone who's brand new to the faith. A follower is someone who has been on that journey for a while and, and would identify as a disciple, as a, as a believer, but someone who is submitting their life in obedience to the teaching of Jesus. And then a leader is someone that is taking that next step to say, how can I use my gifts to serve? How can I be uh, of influence in the church? Tonight, I'll be looking at that last one, which is leading, and thinking about two characters that we find in the book of Acts named Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila. So who are Priscilla and Aquila? Who are these uh, obscure characters? You probably haven't heard a lot about them, uh, but they are central in the early church. So Priscilla and Aquila lived in Italy, and uh, they were fled Rome as victims of Roman persecution. The emperor, who was named Claudius at the time, uh, was persecuting Jewish people. And the Jews who lived in Rome, in Italy, and Aquila was one of them, were fleeing the country. And so they flee the country, and they end up in Corinth the town that we know is the letter to the Corinthians. That's where Paul wrote to that. They end up in Corinth, and there they meet the Apostle Paul. Priscilla and Aquila have uh, found Christ. They are followers of the way. And somehow in that time together, uh, both through their common experience as Christians, as followers of the way, but also as their profession, which is tent makers. Did you see that part in there where it said they were tent makers? And wonder, well, what does that mean? Well, literally, it meant that they made tents to earn a living. They made and sold tents to earn a living. And the Apostle Paul, who was central in the book of Acts in, in the early church, was also a tent maker. So one of the ways that he supported his work to bring Jesus to the communities he did was he, he made tents. And so he met Priscilla and Aquila, and, and they must have befriended each other and found Christian fellowship with one another in Corinth. So much so that when Paul uh, decides to move on to the next place, which is 
Ephesus, he takes Priscilla and Aquila with him. And we see that Priscilla and Aquila then become central to that church in Ephesus. They become central to the faith life and the development of it. And they really have a servant heart. They're they're kind of the core of this ministry as as a married couple. And they cared for the church there through their, their hospitality, through their wisdom, through their leadership, and through discipling others. One of the people that they discipled was a guy named Apollos. And Apollos is an an educated Jew who the gospel, or the book of Acts says, knew, knew about the Savior that was to come through the teachings of John the Baptist. So had submitted his life to a Jew that said, yes, the Messiah is coming through John the Baptist, and somehow ends up in Ephesus, and, and because he was an educated Jew, he was very eloquent in his speech. He apparently was a good preacher. And Priscilla and Aquila take him under his wings, and they fill in the rest of the story. In other words, they say, yes, this one that John the Baptist is talking about is really Jesus, the Son of God. And Apollos then becomes an influential leader in the book of Acts and in the church in Ephesus, bringing many people to faith and arguing persuasively persuasively for the gospel. Now, why is this story important? Well, the story is important because it provides a, a wonderful picture of a couple who, through using their gifts and their faithfulness, had tremendous influence, not only in furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ, but bringing other people and allowing their gifts to shine. And I want to talk about them in terms of thinking about, for us today, what does it mean for us to use our gifts and to be a leader in the world, to be someone of influence for Jesus. Here's the thing. If you have influence in any way, you are a leader. You are in a position of leadership. Oftentimes we think leaders are only the people on top, right? They're the people that were elected to power or they're the head of the company or they're in management or, or something like that. But what I want to present to you today is, in fact, if you have influence in anybody's lives, which you all do, whether you believe it or not, that leadership is something that you are called to. And further, I want to challenge you that Jesus calls us to think about that leadership in a very specific way, a way that Priscilla and Aquila lived out in their faithfulness to the church. And that way would be to be a servant, to be a servant. Jesus makes it absolutely clear. I want to read to you some scriptures that Jesus shared. Matthew 20. He says to his disciples, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then if we look at Luke 22, well, it continues. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we look at Luke 22, 25 through 26, Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercised authority over them called themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, The greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. 
And then Jesus says in Ephesians this. Ephesians chapter 2. We have that one up there. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So Jesus made it clear that as the life of a follower, the life of a believer, the life of a leader in the Christian church is not about promoting ourselves. It's not about what's in it for us. It's not about rising to positions of authority for authority's sake. But instead, is about giving our lives away and actually humbling ourselves so that we can serve and follow and lead in the way that Jesus calls us to be. It's kind of opposite of our world. The way we think is that if you're in a position of leadership, what is, what is leadership about? Leadership is really about influence. And it's using that influence to affect the actions of others. It's, it's using your position and any authority you might have over them in order to achieve a common goal, to go in a, a common direction, to, to accomplish something. And Jesus says that that doesn't come by positional authority. That doesn't come by holding a big stick. That doesn't come by putting a shiny carrot in front of someone so that they'll do what we say. Jesus says that leadership, servant leadership, following him sort of leadership, looks like giving your life away for the sake of the other. And all of us, with the positions of influence that we have, are called to this, are called to this. So let's think about Priscilla and Aquila. What did we see in them, in this account in Acts, this brief stuff we have in them in Acts, that shows that servant leadership? I believe three things. The first is, is that a servant leader keeps the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ. That as followers of Jesus, if we're going to walk into this servant leadership role, different than the world, we keep the main thing the main thing which is Jesus. In other words, the motivation for everything that we do and the way that we act and the influence we have on others is not to make more money, to be more successful, to have more fame and notoriety in this world. It's not to, so everybody knows who we are and how great we are. It's so that everybody knows who Jesus is. It's so that we keep Jesus central in all things. Now, why is this so important? Because here's the thing. If Jesus isn't the main motivation, then everything else will be about us. Jesus, Jesus is the only one that can truly cause out of this condition that we have called sin and the selfishness that leads us. And we're bound by sin, right? Perhaps it's impossible to us to be completely altruistic in terms of our servant leadership. But Jesus is the only thing that calls us out of that. Uh, one of the leaders 
recently in our history that I think understood that. And this is someone that's outside of our Lutheran tradition, <coughs> was someone that recently died. <coughs> Excuse me. And his name was Pope Benedict. Did you guys hear about him? He retired, so he wasn't the current pope, but he retired from being a pope and then he died. But one of the things that Pope Benedict was known for was his writings against something he called the dictatorship of relativism. So what does that mean? The dictatorship of relativism. He wrote this. He says, we are moving toward a dictatorship of relativism, which does not recognize anything as for certain, and which has its highest goal, one's own ego and one's own desire. Let me break that down. So relativism is this societal belief, which Pope Benedict and I also agree, feel that the world was going to. He saw this in Europe and he saw this in the United States. This belief where it's kind of, you believe you, I'll believe me. You do you, I'll do me. And whatever we believe is fine, just as long as you believe something or believe nothing, right? Who am I to judge? And that everybody's viewpoint or everybody's religious truth or everybody's spirituality or everybody's morality is okay because, you know, I just am going to be concerned about myself. And that there is no then absolute truth. There is no one saying, yet I believe that Jesus Christ is the truth and that he is true and he is right above all other things. You see, that's one of the things that we believe as Christians. We, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And see, what Pope Benedict rightly points out is the fallacy of this dictatorship of relativism. And the fallacy is this, is that the idea that there is no absolute truth is not true, because then your absolute truth is that there's no absolute truth. And the other fallacy is, is that if it's all about the individual, and spirituality, religion, is just a marketplace where I can go out and pick and choose and build whatever I want, then we're playing God. Then it's all about us. And our motivations are entirely selfish. So one of the things that's first true about a servant leader, and we see this in Priscilla and Aquila, is our faithfulness, is our trust, is our, is our submission, where we say, okay, I believe in Jesus, and, and I'm here to follow in, in his footsteps. Submit my life to him and know his purposes in my life. This passion for Christ. We all will serve something. And that's either going to be ourself. That's either going to be ourself and what we want to form it to be, or it's going to be the one who calls us out of ourselves. The one that is Jesus. The second thing that I love in terms of watching Priscilla Aquila is their humility. Their humility. You know, Priscilla and Aquila, they didn't get the limelight. I mean, they just get a few verses in the book of Acts. But would the Apostle Paul be who the Apostle Paul is? Or would the Ap Apollos be who Apollos is if it wasn't for the leadership and the mentorship and the friendship of Priscilla and Aquila? Absolutely not. And so Priscilla and Aquila, they weren't in it to, to make themselves great. They weren't in it to be in charge so that everybody would know who they were, right, and, and be persuaded by their personality. No, 
They just were there to serve, to do whatever it took in their place of the influence God had in their lives and the life of the Ephesian church, the Corinthian church before that, to bless others. One of the, the things that I've learned in my life uh, about that was through my father. I was fortunate enough to have a dad who's a man of faith. And I remember him talking about this. And my dad was a, was a manager of a, a large co-op when I was growing up. And so he was in a position that we would culturally think of in leadership. And I remember one Christmas I was home and my, my younger brother and I were there. And Dan, if you're watching, <coughs> I love you. And my brother was getting his MBA at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I was a pastor at Hope, and I didn't have any leadership experience, just a seminary degree and all those things. And, you know, but I supervised people. And so my brother and I were talking about leadership and, and all that that means and what it means to lead. And my, dad, my brother was talking about, well, this book and this theory and all this stuff about his fancy MBA uh, that he had and all that stuff. And my dad was just quietly listening, you know, sitting in the chair and rocking and listening. And then later that day, my, my dad and I walked down the driveway. He had a longer driveway to get the mail or get the newspaper or something like that. And my dad said, you know all that crap your brother was saying? Sorry, Dan. But that's what he said. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, forget all that. He said, just treat people like you want to be treated. And he said, don't ever ask someone to do something you're not willing to do yourself. He says, as, as the leader, if you're not willing to unplug the toilet then you can't ask someone to unclog the toilet. People won't respect you, right? It's true. It's that, that servant leadership that you're willing to humble yourself, get in the trenches, and work with people rather than demand that people work for you, uh, rather than lord your authority over someone to exercise humility and lead by example and lead by the way you treat other people with love and respect and dignity rather than, you know, forcing them or persuading them or thinking you could rule over them in some way. Priscilla and Aquila certainly did that. They were in positions where they, they weren't soaking up the limelight. They were just there to serve in whatever capacity they could through their generosity, through their hospitality, through their influence to other people. And finally, I think Priscilla and Aquila modeled servant leadership in this. And that in that humility, in their faithfulness for Christ, they led so well in the way that they built others up. That's what servant leaders do. They build others up. If you're in a position of influence, which you are, think about how do you use the gifts and abilities that God has given you, not to make yourself great, but to make Jesus great by bringing out the gifts and abilities of others around you so that they can shine like stars, right? That's what servant leaders, that's what great leaders, whatever their position of influence, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your workplace, uh, whether it's in your school, where, wherever it may be, you use that influence to lift others up. The worldly wisdom about authority is that you use your influence to try to leverage through force or through persuasion or through you know, that big carrot, money, whatever it might be, to try to get the most out of people to use them to achieve some goal that will make you better. But servant leadership, this mentality that Jesus teaches us in the world is completely opposite. It says, no, 
that the service leader exists to invest in others. We see Priscilla and Aquila do this with Apollos. I mean, think about it. Here comes this, this guy, this Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila. They're tent makers. They're average, ordinary laborers. And Apollos comes on. He's an educated Jew. He's come from a position of influence. He's eloquent. I mean, the Bible knows that he's, he's a great speaker. This guy's polished. He has it all together. And rather than a Priscilla and Aquila think, oh man, this cocky guy, right? Forget him. What do they do? They take him in. They patiently teach him. They, they love on him. They disciple him. They lead him with their influence to make him shine, to, to help him use his potential to the greatest ability. So here would be my challenge. If, are you ready to lead? Jesus doesn't call us to be spectators of Christianity. Jesus doesn't want us to be consumers. This is not a consumer religion where it's about what's in it for me. Jesus is asking us to use our God-given gifts, abilities, and resources to influence the world, to win the world, to win others for him. Where are you leading? Where can you use the influence that God has gifted you with in terms of the relationships you have with people you work with, with people you live with, with people who are your friends, to build them up, to build them up. And as you do that, I want you to remember, as you do, you're living into exactly what Jesus did for us. That Jesus emptied himself, he gave himself away, he humbled himself to a cross. Even though Jesus had all authority, the authority of heaven and earth, the might of God, he was God incarnate and could have lorded that over us in every way. God himself humbles himself to serve you by giving his life for your salvation. And so in response, what do we do in response to that grace, that gift that he gives us freely? Is we follow that example and we serve and we love and we influence so that others might know that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Father, thank you today for your grace, love, and mercy in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you've called us to lead. And to lead not in a way that uh, is about power, uh, but in a way that is about love, in a way that is a call to humility and service. And so, Lord, may this community we live in uh, be blessed um, and come to know you by the way that we serve. In Jesus' name, amen.